Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we have, who are you again? Alex Cooper. Alex Cooper in the house. That's it. Well, and he's going to tell us about what it was like to swim the Bosphorus. So nice to have you here today, Alex. Thank you for having me. So Alex, tell us, why, what made you want to swim this Bosphorus? And it's called a Bosphorus? The Bosphorus. Truth is, what's your name? Simon. Simon. The truth is, Simon, I didn't. But my sister, who's just had a baby last Thursday, said that she wanted to do a challenge with me before she had a kid. And both me and her have done challenges before, so... Wait, she's one pregnant? No, no, no. This was okay, before... Sorry. It's her partner as well, so she's in a same-sex couple, so it was before her partner got pregnant. Okay. She, she wanted to uh, she wanted to do a challenge with me, and we've been talking about it for a long time. We were thinking about trying to peddle across the channel. That was one particular idea. Or, but yeah, it sort of came to us because she, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, about nine years ago, me and my friends cycled from Paris to the Med, and then my sister, a few years ago now, was going through some stuff, and she walked from John O'Groats to Bristol for charity and she got through what she needed to get through on that walk mm -hmm. and so we wanted to do something together that was going to push us and she lives by the coast and she was living in Hove at the time now she lives around Shoreham and so we thought about doing swimming and I love the the story goes that she basically said last two Christmases ago Alex how do you feel about doing a challenge and she said it's a it's a ballot and I thought that was kind of like the Wimbledon ballot, you know, so the odds of getting in were mm. slim. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And then when I asked her about a month later, I was like, what are the odds of us getting the ballot? And she said 95%. <laughs> so basically it's not really a ballot. So we got in, had to do some medical tests. And then what we had to... medical test? Like, we had to just make sure that we were going to be fit enough to swim the Bosporus because it's... Six and a half kilometres between Europe and Asia. And... Probably cold. It's... Do you know what? It's actually all right. It's all right. And it was beautiful was sea, you, despite it being a shipping seat? lane. No. No, just swimming shorts. There's no sharks. You know, wait, Bosphorus is a lake, isn't it? So there's no sharks. No, there's... It's... Well, it's a, it's, the, it's a strait between two seas. So it's between the Mediterranean and I think... Oh, I don't know. But it, it it is it is technically part of the sea, I think. But yeah, so we so we started training individually. So I was swimming in London Fields Lido three four times a week. Mm -hmm. No, three times a week. I'm lying to you. Three times a week, and then just slowly building up my fifty meter pool, stamina. Yeah. yeah, fifty meter pool. So I was kind of started. I think at like one kilometer, started going up to two three. Four, then did a big one which was like five five and a half something like that and i ended up buying some underwater headphones because it gets yeah, pretty boring yeah. pretty boring i've got them the, have you got the bone yes oh, mate yeah, yeah, i've got good. those very good i i wear them when i'm jogging now do you or cycling they're great because, yeah because if you're cycling you can still hear you, you you're just like you can hear more than one sound, isn't it? You can hear the normal sound, car hoons, someone's coming up behind you. Exactly. And then you still got the... But I don't listen to music, I listen to motivational stuff. Do you? Like David Goggins. Come on, you bitch! Are you going <laughs> <laughs> to... You're going to cock out me now! You know, kind of, kind of thing, you know. Mm. It gives you enticement to crack on. He's got a particular style, doesn't he? That's, <laughs> that's suited for that. 
Yeah, no, I was listening to the TED Radio Hour. Have you ever heard of the TED Radio Hour? No. Oh, it's great. It's basically, it's not a TED Talk, but they, you know TED Talks. Yeah. But basically, it, it's a podcast where they pick a theme, mm -hmm. and then they'll invite people who have done TED Talks on the theme to talk about all the different aspects of this particular mm -hmm. thing. So, for example, there's one on happiness. So they speak to a guy who... Yeah practices the art of gratitude so he basically went back and spoke to he for his morning coffee he realizes that there's more than one person involved in the making of his morning coffee you know it's not just yeah. the barista it's the person that brings it over you know all the way back to the plant the coffee plantations so he was on a mission to basically say thank you to everybody in that process it's really cool. So he just goes back to... He went back, traced it back, and said thank you to all of them. And he said the person that gave him the most gratitude... The plantation... No, it was actually the person who ran vermin control at one of the coffee warehouses. Mm. Because they never get thanked. You know. Because there's a lot of sexy jobs probably in the making of coffee. Like the man vermin the control in the warehouse yeah. is not is not top of the list. It is the most important. It's one of the most important, yeah. It, because there's no point having the beans if they're covered with yeah. whatever. Well, that's it. Well, some people even, um, you know, there's civet coffee, which is where a civet eats it and excretes it and then people buy that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's a civet? A civet is an animal. It's a kind of... Oh, I don't know what kind of animal it is. It's like a cross between... A, I love the way this conversation's going. I know, it's gone to straight off the thing. Civet poo. A civet is a... I think I'm, I want to say it's like a, wee, like a stoat or a weasel or maybe from that family, yes. from that genus. So it doesn't digest it. It just has it in doesn't it. digest it, but then poos it out. And apparently it's really good coffee. I don't know how that Who was... Found that out? I. Do you know what? It wasn't me. People, I uh, don't want the beans over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's not enough beans around at the moment. I want to yeah. see what that civet's just. Special one, isn't it? Yeah. Also, because you have to be pretty sure that it is a coffee bean. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, it's just Ooh. poo. <laughs> you know. I don't know. Listen, I bet they made a. You know what? That brings on to mind. There's some other food product, and they were saying, I think it's dates or something. And they say there's an acceptable amount of cockroaches. Really? Yeah, in dates or in things that, that they just said, yeah, fair enough. As long as it's not over, like, 15%, mm. then you're good to go. As long as it's not... Who decides that <laughs> no, figure? I'm not sure if it's dates. It's some product that is quite common here. Who decides, like, 15%? I don't know, maybe the... As if that's, like... Do you know what? I think everybody's going to be cool with that. <laughs> I think I think 16 feels way too much but yeah, 15 like, I think people 16, are going to be yeah because dates aren't cheap are they nah, especially nah, not nah. knowing that maybe 85% of them are cockroach based yeah. but I was in Tanzania and so we've got to date that totally yeah let's and go into dates they offloaded the dates in the market so obviously Tanzania is very Islamic on the coast Mm. And it's Ramadan time, like now, and there's just cockroaches everywhere in these dates, and people are just picking them still. Really? Yeah, it's like. Okay, mm. okay. Would you? Would nope, you? Nope, nope, would, nope. would you eat a cockroach? <laughs> if I if I was in the goulash or something, goulash, maybe I would. I need all the protein I can get in it. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. But but generally, 
I like to edit. You can. I, I have a theory. You can eat anything if you have the right amount of hot sauce. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that's true. So going back to the the swimming. Yeah, sorry. Swimming, where were we? Yeah. But yeah, no. It was in, it was incredible actually because we we both trained, and I love. I loved it for the reason that I'll be totally honest with you. I'm pr- I'm in pretty good shape, but I'm not like a gym. I'm not a gym head, and going to the and going to the pool every like two or three times a week, I started to ha- recognise how or why some people start to look at themselves in the mirror in gyms. I was never that guy, but like swimming is great for your physique, isn't it? It pulls your stomach in very quickly. Yeah, and your shoulders. I yeah, started yeah. to develop shoulders. I never really had those before. A funny thing was, I was doing weights. I changed gym. I go to Nutfield Gym mm. because I love to swim. Yeah. They all have pools. And there's a lot of them doctors around London saying, this job I can stop anywhere. But I, on the Instagram came up the free path to do fitness first. So I thought, I'll do that. But they don't have pools at very few of their gyms. And I started to do weights, and I thought, well, I'll just stretch off in the sauna and steam room. Mm. But I, after a week, no, I went back to swimming at my normal gym. I couldn't, there's lots of movements I couldn't do. Mm. And I realized that if you're really gonna do swimming like professionally or push yourself, you can't be doing weights at the same time in there, like any kind of development form. You just yeah. need to do kind of density, like, you know, light, but. Um, more high reps but light. I say I'm saying mm, I don't know what you mean, but only because I'm not that savvy with okay, so gym etiquette. Like instead of trying to push a hundred, yeah, and fifth like hundred kilograms, yeah, you just push forty kilograms. Push forty because you're already exerting yourself. Well, you, through you, swimming, you, not that you need to keep the moon movement. Movement flexibility of um, for the swimming, mm. but you forty is quite easy. Yeah. So you're you're just pushing it fast. But yeah. You still build, you're building the density instead of the mass. The mass uh. constricts you in what you're trying to do. So let's say when I go to do backstroke. Yeah. I, rotor, I can't get my bicep to my ear on the on the turn as I turn back. I hear you. If you're if you're listening on a podcast, you can imagine how you swim backwards. Yeah. Um, backstroke wise. Yeah, so that was the dilemma for me. Yeah. Mm. So how was the full length of time you had to do? Well, we did. So we went to, so we went to Istanbul, for the for the race, mm-hmm. and it was six and a half kilometers. And you, it didn't actually take us that long. I think part of our training, like we did it in an hour fifteen, which is pretty good. There's a, there's a current there as well. It's part of swim treks, mm-hmm. swim challenge. So you can swim all kinds of different challenges around Europe and the world. I think. Um, there's one in the Dardanelles, which I think is the oldest swim race in the world. But this mm. is pretty old. And the great thing is you swim from Europe to Asia. So you can actually claim that you've swum between two continents, which mm. is pretty cool. But it took about an hour 15. It was quite a mad morning because they showed us the kind of the, the, the race like track. Track, yeah. Day before, we did a boat trip where they showed us the course. That's the word I was looking for. And then on the day, it was about seven in the morning, eight in the morning. And we got on these boats and they took us to the Asian side of Istanbul uh, where we were jumping off from. And basically they then had like rave music, pumping rave music at like eight in the morning to try and, you know, pump you up. 
and then you all jump, jumped in. You had to leg it off the boats and basically jump off this jetty into the water. It was incredible. Um, but what was mad is that you're swimming, you know, at the very beginning of the race, you all, they told us you need to swim into the middle of the, of the Bosporus Strait. Normally it's a shipping lane. They hold the ships mm. for two hours while you do the course. So you've got two hours to fix it. Two hours to get, get it, yeah. you're going to get churned up That's, by a propeller. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and what's incredible is that it's actually quite tricky before that, but when you get into the middle, there's a, there's a current, so it does make it a bit easier. But you need to make sure that you then get out at the right time as well, otherwise you'll be swept out kind of further past the point you need to finish. But it was amazing because, you know, within a minute of being surrounded by everybody, you're swimming and you're looking around and there's nobody as far as you can see, even though there's about 2000 people apparently in the water, yeah, like very quickly yeah. you disperse um, until you get to the end. So it just gives you a sense of the scale that I was, I remember me and my sister looking around and thinking, so you swam are we the only together? people here? Yeah, we did until she smoked me at the end. Um, she, she has a better technique than I do, I think. Um, she did some classes, which I highly recommend, because I didn't where, where, do them. What classes did she do? She did them down in Shoreham. She got a swimming coach, um, and it helped her a lot with her technique. And so I was trying to keep up with her, but it, it was increasingly... It became increasingly obvious um, yeah, yeah. as we went on that she was yeah. better than I was it's and quicker. It's like boxing, isn't it? On the day, if you haven't trained properly, it manifests because you get knocked out. hundred percent. It is. And she was consistently ahead of me. And then we just kind of, I think, made a, we didn't say it, but made a mutual decision to just meet each other at the finish line. But it's insane because you're, you're swimming down, you know, Istanbul is like a, you know, it's got a lot of hit. To say it's got a lot of history is an understatement. Yeah, you know, Ottoman, it's the centre of the world, really. Um, you know, the West likes to think that it's the centre of the world, but really, it's the centre of the world. And um, you know, the start of the Silk Road, etc. Um, the Ottoman Empire, yeah, the ancient Roman Empire. You know, it used to be Constantinople. Mm -hmm. um, unbelievable, and that was just kind of incredible to see while we were there. But what's insane is like, you know, swimming down the middle. And it was a beautiful day in August and just looking on one side and there's mosques lining the bank on one side and then on the other there's palaces, you know, because basically every emperor, every sultan had to build a palace of their own, obviously, you know, to prove they were the best and most powerful, etc. Mm -hmm. So opulent. And it was just amazing, you know, to, to see that and to be in a totally different world and culture. You know, I always think that about Turkey. It's like we're, we're all part of Europe, but it just feels like you're in a different world. And I feel like London's very cosmopolitan, but when I went to Istanbul, it was cosmopolitan, but with entirely different races of people, if that makes sense. Um, you know, there's a lot of people from Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, mm -hmm. Mongolia, Syria. It's, I, it's just amazing. When I was down there, when I, what happened, we went across, we was on the boat, by the way, we went into <laughs> Asia and Everybody on the other side looked like very tanned, dark hair. And I said, where do these people come from? And I was just, no, I was really surprised because mm. obviously you're used to seeing somewhat pale, I'm not sure, are you call Turks Europeans? They're not, are they? They're, they're kind of, they're part of Europe. Well, they're part of the EU. But are they part of the EU? Yeah. Parties. Yeah, yeah. They okay. Yeah, they're part of the EU, but they're also part of Asia, you know, because they've got 
two sides to the country mm-hmm. that is in both camps. Um, but it is interesting because they are very different. You know, mm-hmm. I think the culture there was. I just I love it. I love I I love kind of anywhere. Um, just yeah, hearing the call to prayer is yeah. just yeah, one of the most spiritual uh, things. That. I think it it just roots you into a different. Oh, and we went to the Hagia Sophia as well. The huge mosque. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. It's magic. It, it really is magic. Actually, you can feel it from the place. I don't know if you f- felt it when you. No, were there. I did. And with that first call to prayer, I was walking down there with my. Well, she wasn't my partner then, but that's when we met. We met in the Blue Mosque. Oh, wow. We in Blue Mosque. We was on a university trip. I didn't know she was on a trip, but I did by the end. And, <laughs> and then there's the call to prayer. We was walking down. It's all lit up, and you hear the... Oh. Magic. And I was like, yeah, this is... This is so you met your partner in the Blue Mosque in Istanbul? Yeah. We was on a university trip. This is like 20 years ago. That's a funny synchronicity, isn't it? Yeah, well, we was all studying ancient construction. You were studying ancient construction? Yeah, ancient construction, yeah. What was your dissertation on? Um, well, my, I did my dissertation on council estates and social development. Wow. And pointing out that you've got places like the Barbican, which is originally built as a council estate, mm. that's doing very well and will probably never be knocked down. And it's got a certain class of people and it doesn't have all the conduit and all these security elements. And then you've got other estates that it's just even if you know same kind of style and just riddled of crime mm. and i was you know i was talking to the caretakers and the caretaker says well everybody owns their flat here in the barbican and if there's a bit of rubbish they write a write a paper on it <laughs> wow he said but in peckham north or peckham estate which is now gone yeah, they're not going to be doing that. No, no, it's guns, knives, drugs, prostitution, and all the rest of it. Yeah. It's funny, well, isn't we, it? We've come to the end of our journey. Yeah. What I will ask you, Alex, is what have you learnt from your experience swimming the that bolsters, and what would be your advice to somebody who wants to swim? What I learnt is that we can do more than our minds tell us we can. Mm-hmm. Always, always. Our minds, our minds tell us what we already know. So I don't think um, it tries to find clues on the past to give you ideas of what will happen in the future. And if if those are self-limiting or limiting, um, they can keep you a bit trapped. Whereas actually, by proving that you can do something like this, you know, even if it's a five k, etc., anything to prove to kind of beat your mind, I think builds confidence and self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And for anyone looking to try it, I'd say it's not a ballot. You will get in. <laughs> and um, actually to book it before your mind tells you you're, you don't want to do it. Because if I waited for my mind to give me the 100% all clear green light before I did something, I'd never do anything. Well, thanks a lot for that. And we wish you well. Thank you. We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.